Shut up and sit down. Yeah, start with a good old throat clearing. What's up, guys? <laughs> Welcome to the show. Welcome back to the show. You're uh, you're listening to the Quiet Part Loud podcast, episode 104. That sounds really weird to me. I know I say it often, but it's very strange to me that we've done a hundred more than a hundred shows. Um, who would have thought? But thanks for listening, um, and thanks for everybody that's uh, that's hit us up via Twitter um, and SoundCloud. It's good to have you on board, and uh, you know, thanks for thanks for joining us. Um, Busy, busy week today. And I'm super dry, so I'm going to be drinking a lot of water. Stay hydrated, guys. I hope that's not too annoying in the microphone. <laughs> um, yeah, super busy week today, uh, this week. It is Wednesday evening. Just finished the second uh, PT session of the week. And uh, work has been a bit gangbusters uh, this week big, uh, some big opportunities coming through the door, which is really exciting. Um, and that always makes, you know, your office job more bearable than perhaps on a normal day. Um, so yeah, some, some good things happen and I hope you guys are having a good week, enjoying the sunshine. Uh, it's only getting warmer and warmer, looking forward to the weekend, which is just right around the corner. But, uh, this week has been mental for me, uh, and mental in terms of just, you know, stuff going on. And I thought to myself, this is, you know, we could go into another kind of serious show in terms of talking about, you know, the protests in Hong Kong or, you know, the death of the young girl in Malaysia or, you know, the little boy that they just found in a river this morning uh, or last night, whatever it was. But, you know, I didn't want to do that. The sun's shining. I mean, it's a little dark now, but, you know, we're still in summer. I've got a beautiful holiday coming up in the next couple of weeks. And I just thought, let's look at, let's just have a think about the silly shit that went down this week and take a little bit of a lighthearted approach to it. So um, this might be some of the abnormal stuff. And maybe I think, I think I've been a bit inspired by nostalgia because Unsolved Mysteries has come back on Amazon Prime and I'm going to totally geek out on it with you guys right now. I love this show. This was this was the show. It was one of the shows when when we were kids. And that music just resonates and they brought the whole damn season. It's nostalgia week, I'm telling you, because that's on Amazon Prime, right? I think all whatever 10 seasons of it, 12 seasons they did. So that's amazing. And the film quality is just as bad as you would imagine, but Robert Stack mixed with some 80s and 70s hairstyles and clothes and settings and camera work, it just makes it a nostalgic feast. So I've been binging on that. Nothing new. I've been, I haven't watched anything new in terms of TV series in, in, uh, in a few weeks, but They've also, I also found the Bob Ross collection, the Joy of Painting collection, in its entirety on his YouTube channel. 
And I think maybe I saw a meme or something on Instagram that made me think about Bob Ross. But I was like, wonder, you know, wonder if I could check out any of his old stuff just for some, just for some giggles. And sure enough, the whole 29 seasons is on YouTube. So between Unsolved Mysteries and Bob Ross, Joy of Painting, I'm all sorted for content. <laughs> um, there was a fantastic UFC event that took place this past weekend. Uh, Daniel Cormier and Stipe Miocic. That was, that was a hell of a fight. And obviously the return to Nate Diaz was, uh, was incredible. And he beat down uh, Anthony Pettis, who broke his foot in the first round, unfortunately. But I think inevitably it probably would have went the same way. Nate Diaz is a gangster. Called out Jorge Masvidal. For those of you guys listening that are not UFC fans, you're going to be like, what the hell are you talking about? Uh, for those of you that are, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. You would have seen it. But uh, yeah, Nate's a gangster. And he called out Jorge Masvidal. That's currently in negotiation and should be coming to your TV screens anytime, you know, very soon. But what an event. And there was a scrap between Yoel Romero and Paulo Costa. It was just a it was just a fantastic event. But again, the UFC fucks up because, you know, they put it in the UK it's okay. It's fine. It's on BT Sports. So if you've got if you've got a subscription to that, you're sorted. You get all the pay-per-views pretty much for free. Except for when John Jones fought, they thought it'd be cute to put it on box office and charge people like 20 quid for it. Hey, beat it with that idea. The UK market will fucking evaporate if you start charging US prices for this. I'm just telling you now, and nobody wants the fucking app, and nobody wants to go through the paywall. Um, but it was a hell of an event. Um, I don't even know how I got onto the UFC, but uh, oh yeah, obviously that's the only real new stuff that I've been watching, other than sort of browsing the news every now and again. I, I try to take a detox from time to time because you can get overwhelmed, you can get outrage fatigue and information fatigue and you know, stimulation overload can happen before you know it. You just like get me, get me the hell away from any screens and any Wi-Fi signal, which is, which is why I'm looking so forward to spending some time in Italy. Uh, well, it's a couple of weeks away, but we're, my wife and I are going to meet her family in Rome and then doing some exploring around the country. And it should be a really great time. And we haven't been away in, in such a long while that uh, that it's well overdue. So we're gonna we're gonna do that properly and, and get some good relaxation. In. And I'm gonna shut my phone off. I'm gonna be uncontactable, no social media, no nothing for at least ten days. So that'll be a welcomed respite from the day to day of you know London. But enough about me. What about you? Um, as I said, there was some crazy shit that happened this week. And rather than look at the seriousness and the you know, the, the constant chaos of our world. Let's, I just wanted to talk about a few random bits that were, uh, that were quite funny, but, um, yeah, this nostalgia, if you guys like Fraggle rocks on Amazon prime, <laughs> that doesn't hold up. I'm just, I'm going to tell you now, I checked out 10 minutes of the first episode. It does not hold up. You cannot watch that. It is, it is tough to get through. Um, also kids show. So grow the fuck up. Unsolved mysteries on the other hand, Amazing, very cheesy, of course, but still very, very good and definitely worth dipping back into. Uh, 
Bob Ross enjoy painting? Again, if you just need a little bit of away time, listen into that man chat to himself, to the camera for 25 minutes while he produces a painting. It's an easy way to relax, you know. You get a little, you get a little sweet one rolled, and uh, you know the day's over. Maybe you got a, maybe you got a little beer on the side, you know. Take it easy a little bit. Put some joy painting on. Just relax. Take, uh, take some time for yourself. You deserve it. <laughs> um, but as I said, there has been, there's been some crazy shit. And one of the things that I wanted to talk about first was actually this ridiculous. Uh, headline that I saw from Variety. I think I saw it uh, this morning. Um, it was it was basically so Variety magazine, entertainment magazine, whatever. I don't read it. Their newest issue, their cover story, is Conan O'Brien in a jean jacket with a microphone, and the headline, the tagline, the. You know, the, the, the title of the magazine is There's a Podcast Revolution Coming. And I just thought, <clears throat> I thought, excuse me? There's a podcast revolution coming. Where, where exactly has Variety Magazine been for the last 10 years? The revolution has been. Now is just groundswell. This is not a revolution. A revolution was when people didn't know what a podcast was at all. You know, when there was a thousand podcasts. Now there's 250,000, 300,000 podcasts. The revolution has been Joe Rogan and people like Dan Carlin and, you know, um, Mark Marin and these sorts of people are just like, what? Like, cool story, bro. Like, excuse me? There's a podcast revolution coming? Where the fuck have you been? And, what, now because Conan O'Brien has launched a podcast, the podcast revolution's coming? The podcast world is supported by people like me. And people that are starting out. People that are trying to find... People that are not celebrities. Let me put it that way. People that are not celebrities, that don't have a built-in audience, the people that are trying to grow something organically by producing honest, authentic content. That's where the podcast revolution resides and will always reside. Of course, it is spearheaded by the likes of Joe Rogan and some of the people I mentioned. They've been doing it for years and their audience is enormous. I mean, Joe Rogan's the biggest media outlet in the world, probably. You know, we are a fraction of that, a very, very small fraction of that. But the ambition is, to be honest, to create content that people want to listen to and, you know, watch, as we will eventually do, and grow this thing to be an independent publisher, an independent media outlet, an independent voice, and to be self-sustaining with that. The goal here is to escape the rat race. The, the goal here is to be independent. The, 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 the goal here is to be creative and work with like-minded people that share those common visions. Not by people who have been on TV for 20 years that decided, oh, guess what? This would be a cool extension of my brand. That doesn't signify a revolution. That signifies mainstream. 
hangers on, jumpers in. That's what it is. So don't insult the rest of us, Variety Magazine, by claiming that this revolution is coming. There are people out here doing it on their own, like yours truly, that does it because they love it, because they believe, honestly, that they have something that they can bring of value, and that they want to be independent. They want to stand on their own. And, like I said, with like-minded people. But please, Variety, don't get it twisted. The revolution has been. You are just catching the momentum of this wave. And everybody sees it for what it is. You're pandering. You're, you're, now, you're now celebrity grabbing. Conan's got one, so it must be a thing. Everybody's got one. If you don't have one, how do you have a, a true brand extension? Podcasts are the fastest growing media in the world. And have been for quite a few years. So again, Variety Magazine, don't get it twisted. It's the guys down here with the thousands of listeners rather than the millions of listeners that are the next wave of what's coming in podcast world. There is something for everybody out here and that's the way we will keep it. That's the way we like it. This is not to be a glossed over, overproduced product. Anybody that takes podcasting like that, I just think is doing it a disservice and will ultimately just probably absorb back into television. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe celebrities will just own this space eventually too and, and the little guys will just get fucked before they have a chance to develop an audience that is truly significant and self-sustaining. I don't know, but... Variety Magazine can fuck off with that assessment and that headline, that front cover. Get out of here, you know, jumping on trends and acting like they're brand new. Beat it. Don't want to hear it. Um, what else is going on? You know what I mean, though? That like That's just like obviously the podcast revolution's already happened. It went from a couple thousand to a couple hundred thousand in a couple of years. You're a few years too late. Like fucking get out of here. People are dumb, man. Um, <laughs> the other thing, jumping over to uh, jumping over to Portland, there was a protest there uh, this week in which Antifa and the Proud Boys were facing off. No, maybe it was last week. Um, and I don't know what they were fighting over. I don't know what the cause was. I don't know what the protest was, you know. Uh, organized on behalf, in behalf of, on behalf of, whatever. All I know is I saw some footage of Antifa and the Proud Boys fighting. And, oh, I mean, God, if there wasn't hundreds of them or, you know, tens of them packed together with this pussy mentality of, 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 of ganging up and outnumbering people to make it a fair fight, I mean, it's really, it's really pathetic. And... I was thinking about it. What it reminds me of is actually um, <laughs> staying with the nostalgia. It reminds me of Married with Children. You remember Al Bundy had that club that met in his garage? And it was like three of them, four of them, and it was called No Ma'am. <laughs> and he just sat around like just drinking and just making like dumbass comments. These are like the, the millennial versions of No Ma'am from Married with Children. That's what the Proud Boys are and Antifa are. Now they just grab sticks and they go out. There's more of them. And they feel like tough guys. 
but they're still wearing masks. They're still hiding their identity. They still know that they're just anarchists and there's nothing truly special about them and that they represent effectively the same point on a circle. If you're talking about extremes, because like I said before, we're, extremes don't exist on the far left and the far right. They may call themselves that, but they share pretty much the same ideology. So they should be next door neighbors rather than distant enemies. Because they both represent fascism, neo-fascism. They're both telling you how things must be done or else you get punished. Just because one of them's on the left and one of them's on the right doesn't one doesn't make one correct and one incorrect. They're both nihilists. They're both anarchists. They just they both want to see the thing torn down. There's not a ton of difference. Other than one pretends not to be racist. And if they sniff anything that even remotely signifies sexism, feminism, uh, you know, anything that they don't like, if you're not progressive enough, you get attacked. On the right, we already know, that's just race, right? That's what they got. They got race. Just be white and you're all right. But other than that, get the fuck out of my country. That's effectively it. But these assholes, these Antifa pricks, they're the ones. I mean, talk. I mean, that's where all the vegans are at. They're just saving all their energy to go on these stupid fucking protests. But they look pathetic. I saw them throwing punches, and I mean, oh. And then they're they're throwing rocks at buses and breaking glass. Like, you childish little pussies are pathetic. And. Yeah, I mean, civil war from these idiots? Civil disobedience and uprising from these morons? I mean, I got more testosterone in my earlobe than I saw at these protests. They're all jacked up on energy drinks and donuts. There's not a healthy one among them. I mean, the Proud Boys are, are, pretty, uh, are pretty jacked up. I think that's in their manifesto. That, or their membership T's and C's. You have to work out vigorously to be in the Proud Boys or be on some sort of, you know, PED that helps you get there. But these Antifa lot are just, they're just a hot mess. And they need to be declared a terrorist organization, as they should be, as their actions demonstrate. They are causing civil disobedience and, and chaos and inciting violence at these rallies. Absolutely not. Can't have it. Can't have it. So the Proud Boys, in my in my opinion, it's going back to them, are effectively the no man club of today. Their manifesto reads like must hate women, uh, must be a white dude, uh, must work out, uh, must like boot must like beer, uh, must love America. Um, and that's about it. <laughs> that's that's about it for the Proud Boys. But even Gavin McInnes, who started the Proud Boys, who's one of the co-founders of Vice, you know, even he's turned his back on it because he he started out as a joke. And it just got away from him. So he's trying to distance himself from that whole that whole brand. But I think it's just crazy. Uh, you know, because there's nothing there's nothing surprising, there's nothing interesting about these groups. They're just a bunch of aggravated people who don't exercise enough don't eat right, don't live right, don't feel right, 
and take it out on other people. They're looking for other people to blame. This is what this is. They're looking for other people to blame so they can make themselves feel better. And this politically correct nonsense. I mean, Pierce Morgan got it bang on. There's a clip on on Twitter that's making the rounds, and you know it's getting it's going viral. And it's him on Ben Shapiro's show talking about, uh, you know, these ultra progressives and and these you know the 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 liberalism that is you know the uprising of liberalism, talking about how people are sick to death of it. This PC culture and this victimhood culture, things that we've talked about vigorously on the show before. You know, we're put into one two-minute soundbite that's now going viral. You know, again, built-in audiences, right? Built-in audiences. I mean, he's done a lot. Pierce Morgan has credentials out the ass, but you know, he's got a he's got an audience. So if he says something, it goes viral. But if little old, you know, quiet part loud podcast over here says something, then uh, you know, a hundred people hear it. So it's a different thing altogether. So we've talked about these things. We've talked about victim culture, victim blaming, and um, uh, the like the sort of victimhood society that we live in now and and how people are always looking to be like blameful of an oppressor that's not really there but there are targets that can be aimed at and if you aim there in this day and age you can make an uprising by social media etc that might get a little bit of momentum but let's not forget with most of these most of these let's put them in quotes, causes that many people seem to have a problem with are actually a very small but very vocal minority. Because the average person you meet on the street, ask them how they feel about transgender rights, for instance, or unisex bathrooms, for instance. Most people wouldn't have given it a second thought. Most people don't give a shit. Most people have way too much other thing, way too many other things going on in their lives to give a shit about that. But there's a very small minority. And they're very, very loud. Like the Antifas, like the Proud Boys. You know, there's there's pockets of these people. So they're not interesting. And they're just an updated version of something that we've seen in a sitcom before. <laughs> so that's that. Um, <laughs> what else are we talking about? Should we talk about the royal family for a minute? Let's talk about the royal family for the for a minute, if we can. Because between Jeffrey Epstein's friendship with Prince Andrew and the pictures that have emerged of him with the original accuser of Jeffrey Epstein's, I would say, you know, you got some splaining to do, man. And... This, I find it appalling, is not enough. And then we go on to Harry and Meghan, who are climate change and eco-warriors. Yet when they go on holiday, they've now, I think, taken four private planes to each destination that they've gone. And I think, I think we need to call bullshit on all of the holier-than-thou perception that they try to put out and call just call out the hypocrisy that is on display by their actions I mean this is a joke and I just I fail to see the real benefit in having these monarchs with the power and authority that they have and you know why we have to support them 
if they're so good, be self-sufficient. Because they're not. And I'm not okay with them looking down on the rest of us, delivering this message on how we can all do better, and then turn around, straighten our face, and do the exact opposite at the worst degree of it. I mean, taking a private plane when you're preaching to the masses about being an eco-warrior and being conscious of the environment and what's happening to our future if we don't change to then jump on a plane to fly around the world on our dime and completely contradict everything that you're putting out as a message. It's garbage. You know, mixed with the Prince Andrew stuff that I think the picture has been identified uh, as the ex-Australian Prime Minister's daughter. I mean, I haven't, I haven't dug into the further details of this, but I mean, this monarchy... Something to be proud of? Maybe once it was a, you know, again, it's a nostalgia thing, right? Because I even used to be a big fan of the monarchy. I liked the tradition of it. I liked, you know, the fact that it stood for something, the head of the Commonwealth, you know, bringing these nations together under one, you know, Commonwealth banner. All that stuff was great. All that stuff was really, really cool. I guess when I lived in Canada and was growing up, it was one of those things like I'm from England and, you know, we've got this, we've got this rich history Scratch under the surface that history just a little bit and you find out there's a different side to it. It's not all the glitz and glamour and, you know, all the positivity that they claim to, you know, be about and want to instill in all of their subjects, right? All of us. And it's like most things. It's a complete fallacy. So I'm just done with the royal family. There's no nostalgia around it anymore. But I just think the audacity of these two, Meghan and Harry, to be the new face of the royal family, the progressive thinking, like Prince Harry's on about video games and the violence caused by that. They're both on about, you know, being these, those eco champions. And it's just all nonsense. It's just all for the headlines, all for the PR. They don't believe a goddamn word of it about putting it into practice or we wouldn't be seeing this kind of thing. You've got a 16-year-old girl that's on a ninth day across the ocean in a sailboat to talk about climate change. You've got these guys talking about climate change and jumping in a Learjet. Get the fuck out of here, you know? I just, I don't, it, for me, it's it's like a legacy thing that needs to just be gone. It's boring. It's, it, it's just born out. Like, get out of here. You know, it's it's archaic. It's like it's like the TV license. What the fuck are we still paying for a TV license for? How dare you try to make mandatory withdrawals from every citizen in this country, or they can be fined if they don't have a license to watch TV? Yet you've got people running around having kids with no checks and balances in place, and these little bastards grow up in some instances to go and rob cars and drag a policeman to his death that's just eight days married. You know what I mean? Or 28 days married, whatever it was. Perspective, men. We still have to pay a TV license for a service that, yeah, a lot of people use, but they don't use all of it. We gotta pay for the royal family, comes out of our taxes? And what benefit does that give to us? 
millions in income in tourist attraction. All right, let them charge ticket sales and stop taking out of our fucking pockets is my thinking on it. Anyways, staying light, right? Staying light. It's hard to stay light when you see the Amazon rainforest on fire and you see it happening before any news outlets try to pick it up or want to pick it up or give it any attention or anything like that. And I'm just thinking, you know, and now the point's being made, right? Notre Dame burnt down 218 billion uh, or million was donated to, uh, it was more than that, wasn't it? It was more than that. It was like a billion dollars. I think it was like a billion dollars that was donated to the refurbishment of Notre Dame. Now that the media is starting to pick up this Amazon story, let's see what happens there. Let's see if we go after the companies that are down there fucking with the rainforest. Let's see if we actually make any attempt to give a shit about the most important ecosystem on our planet, arguably. Just wildfires and wildfires and wildfires. I don't know how it started, but I know the outcry has been minimal when you compare it to a building burning down. This will suffocate us. It's a massive problem. We need to start paying attention. The logging in the rainforest is devastating, has been for decades, and nobody's done a thing about it. Nothing breaks my heart more than seeing these animals being displaced because of consumerism. It's gross, it's fucking gross. So anyways, I mean, I don't want to talk too much about the Amazon rainforest because that's a depressing ass uh, subject, but there is a crisis going on there right now and somebody needs to step up and do something. Sorry guys, stay hydrated, all right? Stay hydrated. It is hot in London and it's getting hotter. So stay hydrated. What else do we want to talk about today? Should we talk about Trump? Should we talk about Trump? Because Trump's having a week. Trump's having a having a, having a hell of a week. I mean, he he thinks he can buy Greenland. <laughs> he thinks buying a country is just a real estate deal. <laughs> uh, it'd be a great deal, but the Danish prime minister doesn't want to meet. And therefore, I'm canceling the whole trip because if she's not telling me I can buy Greenland, we got nothing to talk about. That trailed off into a very bad Donald Trump impression. Um, yeah, he was supposed to meet the Danish prime minister. And among whatever else he wanted to talk to her about was purchasing Greenland. He went so far as to reinforce how serious he was by posting a picture after they'd said, no thanks, Greenland's not for sale. He said... He posted a picture of a gold Trump hotel, I think it's in Atlantic City or somewhere like that, on superimposed onto the shoreline of Greenland with the tweet, I promise I won't do this to Greenland. As if that's what they're worried about. As if that's their main concern. Apparently they put a bunch of billions into Greenland do Denmark. Because Denmark is uh, 
Denmark is the the head of Denmark is the head of state for Greenland, but Greenland elect their own sort of political party, right? So it's like a territory and it's elected like like that, but then it's all governed out of Denmark. Which is um which is, you know, fine, whatever. But I just I just get a laugh out of this guy thinking he can just like what did, where did he think about that? Was he on the toilet taking a shit and just thinking like, hmm. Or like was it one of his advisors that said, you know what we need? We need the resources that are sitting in and around Greenland. We need to get our hands on Greenland. Not only would it be strategic militarily, but from a resource perspective, it would be phenomenal. You want to increase the oceans. You want to see ocean levels rise. You want to see climate change get fast forwarded. Give Greenland to Donald Trump. He'll be mining that shit. He'll be, he'll be decimating that island. Everything that's on that island or around that island would be decimated if Trump got a hold of it and it became part of America. It would be horrendous. So they're like, oh, it's not for sale. And he's like, well, no more meeting. We got nothing to talk about. He's just retarded. And I know a lot of people don't like that word. And I don't give a fuck. He's a retard. Donald Trump is a straight up idiot. The only talent he has is media manipulation and basically creating chaos and existing within it for his own benefit, right? He knows how to create sort of like a tidal wave, generally negative, but he knows how to almost create it, then get rid of it to make like he solved the problem. It's a very peculiar thing. He understands the media very, very well. There is absolutely no doubt about that. But as soon as he opens his mouth on any other subject in the world, he sounds like an idiot. Maybe save construction or like real estate. Like he knows obviously about that. He's made money from that. He's done deals within that industry. But other than that, he's a, a pretty uninspiring guy. His viewpoint on society is gross. His viewpoint on the environment is gross. His viewpoint on interpersonal relationships is horrible. He doesn't understand economics at all, which is highlighted by how he's acted and implemented this trade war with China. Yes, a lot of people say, oh, he's holding China to account. And there's a lot of that needs to be done, but there's ways of doing it. And I don't think this is the beneficial way of doing it because he's actually hurting his own people and lying to them when he looks them in the eye and says everybody's doing great. It is not the way forward and he is a very, very uninspiring individual and his rhetoric and his shtick is boring. I don't find him funny. I don't find his off-the-cuff comments, you know, witty and stuff like that. I don't find the name-calling sleepy Joe Biden. That's not creative. It's not funny. It's antagonistic and it is unproductive now he's gone farther than that by now going after the Jewish community I mean if there's a community in America that you don't want to go after especially on that side of the aisle it is the Jewish community he basically it not basically he came out 
and said, Jewish people that vote Democratic are either unintelligent or uninformed, can't remember what he used exactly, or disloyal. Disloyal to who, Don? Disloyal to you because you're such a friend of Israel? Or disloyal to the motherland because you're a friend of Israel? So if people don't vote for you, they're voting against their homeland? Like, I don't... What are you trying to draw out here? Because the consequences of making statements like that, we know historically are not met with positive outcomes. When you declare somebody to be disloyal, you set them up for alienation, ostracization. And I don't understand why more of a backlash hasn't come out about this almost immediately. Because if anybody else even whispers the word Israel in a way that's unfavorable to the Jewish community, they get written off as an anti-Semite. So just because they've put a settlement and name I put a settlement in Syria and named it after Trump and that some stupid fucking radio host calls him the the second coming and the you know the son of god or whatever he called him the savior to the Israeli people that he thinks he can come out and make a statement like that in fact I don't even know what order that happened in but they're both just as ridiculous as one another and I just think, okay, this blip has got to almost be over. Donald Trump's approval rating is the highest it's been almost ever, I think, now. Um, he's losing, and you can take this with a grain of salt because we know how shitty polls are, but he's losing by double-digit figures to numerous candidates on the Democratic side. I've warned against complacency in the past, and I think it needs to be reinforced now, is the fact that people need to stay active and attentive during this process. There's about 300-odd days left until the next election. Maybe, when's the next election? Is it next September? So it'll be like 350 days or something like that. That motherfuckers need to stay on their game, keep paying attention, keep listening, keep putting this motherfucker on blast, and all the other people around him on blast as well. Like Mitch McConnell and, you know, people like this. Because if we're talking about nostalgia, why don't we talk about the fact that when Trump burst onto the scene, it was a bit of a joke. Well, that seems very nostalgic to me because shit's not funny anymore. And it's just getting worse. And I need him out of office before... A, the recession hits, which is coming, by the way, that we've, again, been warning about for about a year now on this show. And before he can get his hooks into us with some sort of shitty trade deal where we're eating poisonous chicken and getting all of the worst products from America because we're too pig-headed to get back in the EU or even do a second referendum or look at an, another deal. Not encouraged by Boris Johnson's first few weeks in office, I'll tell you that. He's making promises, but I don't know where this money's going to come from. Oh, it's going to come because we're going to get all this money back uh, from, uh, from the EU, right, once we leave. Well, that's a load of shit. 
And that was precisely the lie that was tattooed on the buses that they were driving around during the referendum campaign. The numbers aren't stacking up for Boris, and that's a problem. And before we go any deeper, because again, once Brexit hits, the likelihood of a recession being um, expedited are quite high. So the last thing we need to be doing is locking into deals with Donald Trump before we know what's happening. I think the other, um, I think the other thing I just wanted to talk about is this Conor McGregor incident. I don't even know why I'm trying to play it down as an incident. This piece of shit hit an old man for refusing a glass of a glass of his whiskey in a pub. Old man just like took the shot and apparent apparently McGregor tried to pour him a drink and he was like, I don't want to drink your shit whiskey with you. <laughs> so McGregor punched him in the face. I mean, who the fuck does he think he is? You're talking, you're, you're listening to a person who was at one time the biggest Conor McGregor fan on the planet. And when I'm a fan of yours, I'm, I'm all in to a fault Right? So when he threw the dolly at the bus, I was like, fuck it, that's him doing PR. Um, <laughs> what else has he done? You know? I mean, the comments on Twitter, the way he's acted and just behaved, you know, in general has been pretty crazy. But I've always just been like, that's, that's him. That's what he does. But not punching an old man in a pub man that's just that's just garbage that's just low class pikey shit and the guy's a a hundred millionaire he needs to stop frequenting little pubs where people can tell him they don't want his shit whiskey because it's not okay just because you're a hundred millionaire to sock an old man in the face because he doesn't want your shit. And I don't want to see Conor McGregor locked up for this. But he should have to pay that old man a whole bunch of cash for being a, being a dickhead and, and hitting him. He should have to pay him a whole bunch of cash. There's no point in putting McGregor in jail. That's not going to do anything. We don't solve any problems by putting people in jail unless they're tremendously violent offenders, right? Murderers, rapists, etc. they should be locked up. People who, you know, run pyramid schemes and bankrupt millions of people, hundreds of thousands of people, they should be locked up. Gangsters, mobsters, right? Mur like, you know what I'm saying? There's a there's a there's a type of person that should be locked up, and there's a type of person that shouldn't. And there's a type of person that you punish by putting in a cell. There's other people you hurt financially. And I just think, yeah, like he's an absolute dickhead. I'm washing my hands of Conor McGregor as of now. Like, it's such a shame because I was all in with his brand. I bought his fucking t-shirts, right? Like, I was gonna, I'm looking to buy his whiskey. It still hasn't come to my London supermarket for some reason. But now I'm just like, nah, see ya. And then once I'm gone from said brand that I was once loyal to, never coming back. Like, just not coming back. 
because I don't care because I don't have loyalty like that. Once there's a fuck up, once there's an error, once there's something that turns my stomach about whatever I'm affiliated with, then I'm out. I'm out. You've lost me. There's a, there's a chain in London. They make cakes. It's a coffee shop, bakery, whatever. It's called Peyton and Burn. Okay. Peyton and Burn. I used to go down to the village on the weekend with my wife and our puppies. And we'd go in there and have a coffee before we walked around the park or whatever. Right. Maybe we'd go in there afterwards, pick up some desserts, take them home for a little weekend treat, whatever. I don't know. But we approached the door one day. This was about a year and a half ago. And for some reason, they stopped allowing dogs in to the cafe. And I have a feeling that this may be parent related, but I can't speak with authority because the truth is I don't know. All I know is one day we showed up to go in as we normally did and we weren't allowed to bring our dogs in. That's a no-go for me. That's a no-go for me. If my dog can't come in the establishment, I can't come in the establishment either. Because sometimes, during the course of my life, my dogs are with me when I'm in public. And when I'm in public with my dogs, sometimes I want to sit down, have a cup of coffee with my wife, and maybe have a snack. And if you think that your precious establishment, that actually... There is no food that could be contaminated by the, by animals in this establishment. If you think that somehow that they're dirtying the place up or whatever, then make a statement. But where does this change come from? Where does this one day they're okay and the next day they're not? You don't get that flip-flop with me when it comes to accepting my animals with me. If you don't fuck with my dogs... You don't fuck with me. It's quite that simple. Because the truth of the matter is, I don't trust motherfuckers that don't like dogs. I think you can tell a lot by a person if you put a dog in front of them, and every dog is undeniably cute, but my dogs are on another planet. On another planet cute. And if my dog comes across your path, and it doesn't stir up some emotion of happiness or oh look at the doggy then I question what's going on in your head and what's going on in your heart I question what kind of upbringing you had I question what kind of parents you had I question how angry you are or whether or not you're in a happy relationship these are things that go through my head if I see a person walk by my dogs and they don't react in some way shape or form Because to me, it's impossible. Because I think they're so cute. And I'm going to sound like a real bitch here. These dogs are so fucking cute. I want to eat them. I want to cuddle them so hard. You know, Remember that Chris Farley thing? Talking nostalgic. I want to cuddle him. Poke him. Snuggle him. Rip his tail off. What's that from? Is that from Tommy Boy or something like that? My dogs are ridiculous. So if you walk by my dogs and you're stone-faced. That's it. I got nothing for you. I think you're a piece of shit, actually. That's, I think you're a piece of shit. Because my dogs are undeniable. And I think most dogs are undeniable. And every time I see a dog, I'm like, Aw, who's a good boy? Or, aw, hey puppy. Doesn't matter. Every fucking time I see one. You know why? Because I'm not a psychopath. 
I got feelings. And I don't even know how I got onto this subject. How the fuck do we get onto this subject of dogs? Oh yeah, fucking uh, Peyton and Burn. Peyton and Burn. Yeah, so if you don't fuck with me because you don't want my dogs around, then you don't get my money anymore. So that chain has not received a penny from me. And, you know, I'm one person, right? So I'm not going to probably make a dent in the in the overall picture. But fuck those guys anyways. I'm not giving them any more cash. I'm not going in there. They can fuck off. Their cases are substandard anyways. And their coffee's dog shit. <laughs> Speaking of dogs. You know, but yeah. If you don't fuck with my dogs, you don't fuck with me. And that's it. So more places need to get clued up. And I understand you can't have just dogs coming into restaurants and shit like that. But this is just a cafe. It's a cafe. It's not like a sit-down meal where you're going in there for three, four, five courses, right? It's not one of those. I completely get that, you know, dogs shouldn't be allowed maybe in restaurants like that. But even then, even then, I say, fuck it, bring your dogs. Where I cross the line is letting the dogs sit on the chair like I've seen some assholes do. There is a, I thought, I must, it was a picture or something, maybe it was on Instagram, and it was, uh, it was some celebrity that was in a restaurant basically just saying, this is not okay. And it was a woman at the next table with like her Jack Russell Terrier on the chair beside her, and she was feeding it from the dinner plate that was on the table. And I'm just like, that's too far even for me. And I'm a freak when it comes to my dogs, right? Like, anybody that knows me knows that I'm a proper psycho when it comes to dogs. I love my animals. I love all dogs. I love all animals. I'm a massive, massive animal lover. So the things that you see Ricky Gervais post online, I am almost 100% with him all the time on those. One of the things that I differ with him on would be probably the uh, the action around conservation and hunting and how that revenue um, entanglement is kind of actually maybe helping in some efforts, uh, but other than that, like, I'm not a trophy hunter guy, I don't think any of that shit's okay, uh, I've spoken about things like the dog festival in China, and animal abuse, and I've, I, I mean, I've had a conversation yesterday with a guy, and I was saying, like, if I was, if I was anywhere near independently wealthy, the problem of animal abuse, and puppy farms, and whatnot, that shit would be priority number one for me. And I would have to take real steps to address the mistreatment of animals, the minimum, um, the mandatory minimum penalties for animal abuse. I would be campaigning for stronger laws around that. These are the things, this is one of the things that I would love to do if, uh, if I ever had the wealth that could take me out of the job force and I could, you know, focus on these initiatives uh, wholeheartedly. I would love to do that because I'm just a, you know, I'm a rabid animal lover. If I had a farm and the space and the means to do it, I'd have, uh, no exaggeration, I would have a hundred dogs on the farm running around. I would have chickens, I would have goats, I would have a proper fucking farm. I love them, right? Get some sloths in the house. It'd be amazing. So, final point on it. <laughs> if you don't fuck with me, or if you don't fuck with my dogs... You don't get to fuck with me either. And it's as simple as that. That's non-negotiable. And if you're doing it for religious reasons, suck a hard dick, okay? Because that's happened to me as well, where we've walked by 
there I remember an instance, there was a woman sitting on a bench and the dogs were walking by and perhaps they were about a foot and a half away from her and she jumped back and said, oof, get that dog away from me, that dirty thing. It's against my religion to be near a dog. And I mean, I was having none of that. I was having none of that. So let's just say that I address that situation uh, there. And then um, as I have with, with other people as well, I saw a dude on the bus like recoil from my dogs when we were, when we were on the bus and I was sitting down holding uh, one of them. But I just turned around and said, is there a problem? that you have with my dogs. Do you think that they're going to bite you? Are you scared of dogs for some reason? Or, and it wasn't any of that, it was a religious reason. He was a Muslim guy and they don't like dogs because they think they're dirty. And I'm just not having that. So you can keep your beliefs in the fucking house because if you try to implement them on me when I'm out in public with my dogs, gonna have to clap back at you. Because that's family to me. So you might as well be insulting my wife or my sister or my mom. And if you think I'm fucking crazy, good. That's exactly what I want. Because I don't fuck around when it comes to my animals. And I love my cats too. I got a couple cats as well. So there you go. I just want to give you a, a heads up on, on how I feel about animals. <laughs> and, and how I'll react and act if they're disrespected by people who don't like animals. Because I think, again, people who don't like animals are assholes. Simple as that. So, that's about it. I think that's all the thoughts I've got for today. Um, how long have we been doing this? It's about 53 minutes, guys. So, not, not a bad effort. Not a bad effort. And I think the rest of the week is just going to be a, a lovely, sunny, you know, lovely, sunny time. So, we're going to get lots of barbecues done this week because this summer overall has been a bit shit in terms of uh, grill time. Last year we had a massive, massive summer and it was super hot for you know a couple of weeks where it was just you know unbearable. But we, I think we had about 20, no, probably about 15 barbecues last year, which was fantastic. So this year we've had, I don't know, like four, something like that. So it's time to get some in and I think this weekend's gonna be a great shout for doing that. So. Definitely going to grill. Hope you guys have a great weekend as well. Um, and then next week we're going to be back as normal, but the following week's going to be a bit different because I'm going to actually, I'm actually going to be in Italy, um, as I mentioned before, and uh, doing a little R&R. So the chances of me putting a podcast down next week, or sorry, the week after next, are uh, zero. I'm not going to be doing that. So... <laughs> um, so what I might do is actually record two episodes next week and then bank one so that I can have that schedule to be released on the following uh, Thursday morning because I won't be back to the following Monday and which we'll pick that up. But never mind, you guys don't need to hear, hear all that shit. Just know I'm going on holiday. I'm going to relax a little bit and, uh, and finally try to take things down to zero because I've been running at a very, very high level, high rate uh, for most of this year. And, uh, and I need a rest. I need a rest. And so does my wife. So that's, that's going to be a fantastic time to get away, see some of the sites, you know, do some, uh, do some historical sightseeing. And I'm going to eat, eat, eat. I'm going to have so much gelato and so much pizza and so much seafood. I cannot wait. So 
got a big week push in the gym next week. Lots of uh, lots of cardio to try to burn some extra calories, keep that moving, get the volume up next week. Uh, I just finished this amazing program that I might have been I might have spoken about on here before. Ross Edgley swam around the UK and brought out a book called the World's Fittest Book. I believe it. I believe the title is. And within that, there are some workout programs, and I thought I'd give one of them a try. And it is a monster of a program. Really, really hard, uh, really difficult to get through. Um, following along as you know, as a prescriptive program, but I've done it. I have done it, and I feel great as a result. I just have to get my diet right, but I've been working out like a beast. And, and I'm really looking forward to getting some time in Italy to step away from the gym, step away from work, and just completely unwind and let my body recover, let my mind recover, you know, and just just rest up. Because my wife and I used to vacation probably three times, four times a year, extended vacations. Um, and now we've, all, we've only been able to manage sort of weekend breaks and we get about one trip away a year. And this is our one trip away a year. So we're going to do it upright. We're going to, uh, we're going to do it <laughs> pretty luxury, actually. We, we've hooked up some really sweet spots. Um, I've booked us some amazing places to stay. We're going to, you know, we've booked some boat tours and we've got uh, all of our access sorted already. And now we're just looking for some different bits to do. But yeah, we're, we're, um, we're, we're going to do this right because we don't get a chance to do it often. And so, so that's why I'll be off the week after next. So yeah, I think I'm going to bank two episodes and then I'll be able to continue the flow of the schedule that we've trying to be, trying to be uh, really, really strict on. And I know we did a couple of shows previously where I recorded one from my car and, you know, the audio on episode 100 was dog shit. And, you know, we're, again, we're just making, we're making improvements as we go. And we're trying to get better every single time out. And I hope today was an example of, of, of some of that continued evolution. Because I think we've been a bit more loose, been a bit more uh, easy going on this one. Um, you know, we touched on some serious points there as well. But I just want to be more natural. And I'm, I'm still learning. I'm still learning how to do this. And I listen to other people and I listen to other podcasts. Um, and there's some people doing really good work out there. And there's some people doing some terrible work out there. And I just want to continue to be better and improve and just keep going keep going i'm not stopping we are going to make this show something special and i think the first 100 shows were one thing i think the next 100 shows are going to be something completely different and who knows what this show will end up becoming or end up looking like and sounding like we got improved audio equipment coming that's going to be another step up we're going to start doing video as soon as possible that will take it up a level we're going to continue trying to recruit guests i've been a little bad on that because work's been really busy but i'm planning on jumping back into that when i'm uh home from vacation and we just keep improving mama what's vacation where daddy went it's when you go somewhere and you don't ever come back sometimes i wish this vacation was one of those because London's getting a bit tedious for me. Anyways, I'm rambling. Never mind. Thoughts for another show, perhaps. Um, right, I'm going to sign off for the weekend, guys. You will be getting this on Friday afternoon. Um, 
I was able to uh, finish this up and truth be told I had to break there were some interruptions when we first started recording so you might uh, you might uh, experience a little break in some of the audio we had to put it on uh, pause and then uh, things got a bit busy so we picked it up and now it will uh, on Thursday night and now it will be coming out to you uh, hopefully Friday afternoon that that's when you guys should be receiving it worst case scenario Saturday morning but um, as of next week we will be back on track recording Wednesday evening and um, and publishing on Thursday morning. Uh, so that, so yeah, so just, uh, just want to give you guys a heads up, but that's a wrap. We're at an hour. Um, and I think that is a wrap for now. So have a great weekend. Enjoy the sunshine, get your pasty white asses outside and get some vitamin D, get a barbecue going, have some drinks and relax. It's a bank holiday weekend. So you got an extra day to indulge and rest up. So make sure you do that. Have a great time. And we'll be back next week for more of this show. Um, if you're looking to recommend us to anybody, then tell them they can hit us and uh, find us on SoundCloud, Spotify, and iTunes. And they can definitely hit us up on Twitter as well. So just search at Quiet Part Loud. Our profile picture is the one with the coffee cup. Uh, you'll know it when you see it. And uh, you can find links to past shows there also. Um, so that's it, guys. I'm done. It's been a pleasure. I thank you for listening. I thank you for supporting. Tell your friends about the show. Get them involved. We're going to grow this thing together. Give me your feedback. Let me know what you think, how we can improve, what you want to see, what you want to hear, and we will make it happen. So to the continued evolution of the Quiet Part Loud podcast and to the bank holiday weekend, I say to you guys, have a great time and thank you so much for everything. We'll be back next week. I've said that twice or three times now. So until next time, guys, all the best.